Mission Mobilization Chats with Ryan Shaw, Multiplying Mission Mobilization Movements. This podcast is powered by Global Mission Mobilization Initiative. Subscribe, watch, and listen on YouTube today. Find more exciting resources, teachings, and tools for mission mobilization on globalmmi.net. All right, so here we go. Welcome to episode number 19 of our Mission Mobilization Chats podcast, where we're looking at core issues related to this overarching concept of mission mobilization. How do we mobilize denominations, church networks, campus ministry organizations, any kind of local ministry even? Now, the most important questions that we can ask as followers of Jesus are about the processes and the means, the tools, the ways that God uses to grow his people in spiritual maturity, and then also to involve us in his purposes. So we want to know as committed believers, what are God's development plans that he uses to bring his people into maturity? So for example, we might ask, How does a person become discipled? What are the ways that that process happens? Does it just automatically happen? No, we know there are deliberate steps. There's deliberate processes. There's deliberate ways that God uses to disciple his people. Another question we might ask, how does a person discern God's calling in their life? So God's calling and God's will for my life, such an important issue. Well, how do I grow into it? Does it just happen? All of a sudden, do I just kind of know it just dawns on me? Well, this is God's will for my life. It's God's calling. No, it happens little bit through specific processes, through specific experiences, through specific ways that God uses to help his people discern his will for their lives. We could go even further and ask, How are unreached people groups brought to faith in Jesus? How does that process happen? Does it happen by itself? Sometimes we think so. Well, we just kind of wait and we watch and there's not really anything that we can do or there's not anything necessarily that God himself, no, that's wrong. God has processes. God has ways, God has natural things and things that we can do even as leaders to come in cooperation with God to partner with him in that process of even seeing unreached ethnic peoples coming to faith in Jesus. Another question we might ask, how does the kingdom of God come among unreached peoples? Does it just happen all by itself? No, there's processes, there's plans, there's ways, there's biblical principles that need to be implemented. So what we want to take from this is that there are discernible processes involved in every single aspect of growing in the Christian life and even, as we're going to look at uh, today, growing in mission mobilization. So our purpose in this episode is to seek to answer the question of how do believers and how do local ministries become mobilized with a heart for global cross-cultural mission. So the title of this episode is How the Body of Christ is Mobilized for Mission. How the Body of Christ is Mobilized for Mission. We want to become faithful students of the particular ways, the particular means, the particular processes that God uses in this thing called mission mobilization. 
What are the primary means and strategies that God wants to employ, that God wants to use to ignite the hearts of his people with his own purposes in the earth? Now, when we're talking about this, it might be easy for some to hear what I'm saying as what we're looking at is how believers become mobilized as missionaries or what we in our GMMI circles, we call message bearers. Okay, But that's not the only thing we're looking at here. So this discerning or this asking the question of how the body of Christ becomes mobilized for mission, this is not only for missionary types, but this is for the whole global church actually. Because Jesus wills and desires that his whole body is set on fire for his global purposes among all the peoples of the earth to actually be realized. So let's get it out of our minds that this mission mobilization thing or asking the question how the body of Christ is mobilized, what are the process, what are, what are the ways that God uses to do that, that this is somehow for a, just a small subset of the body of Christ. It's not. It's actually for every born-again believer in the body of Christ. So this means then that the implication is that every born-again believer in every local ministry across the whole earth can and should be the target of focused and deliberate mission mobilization efforts, means, strategies, and ways that the Lord wants to release through us. We're mobilizers. We're involved in this kind of ministry. We see the importance and the priority. So the Lord will do these things, and he wants to target every single born-again believer in this, in this process, but he does it through you and I. So the Holy Spirit's passion is to bring every born-again believer into alignment with his own global purpose. So again, our question of the hour or of this episode is, how does he do this? How does the Holy Spirit bring born-again believers into alignment with his global heartbeat? Are there overarching, consistent strategies, tools, ways that if we as leaders in the body of Christ, if we will implement these, if we will follow these ways among our church members and our ministry members, we will see believers in local ministries as a whole mobilized. And so the answer to that question, are there overarching, consistent ways that God wants to use to mobilize his people for mission and use us as leaders to implement those ways among our church ministries? Are there such things? The answer to that question is a wholehearted yes, a resounding yes. So what I want to talk about in this episode are three broad categories, three broad categories related to how God mobilizes his people with his own heart for the nations. Now, each of these three categories take place within the ongoing community life of a particular local ministry or fellowship. So we're not saying that you have to go outside of your local ministry to be mobilized. Now, if you go outside for a conference or for this or for that, that's okay. But what we're saying is that the primary place that the Holy Spirit wants to do this is within the ongoing community life of a committed, faithful local ministry or fellowship. So these three broad categories that we're going to talk about in this episode are in the context of happening within the uh, individual local ministry or fellowship that you might be leading or that you might even be a part of. Now, none of these three categories 
bring immediate transformation. Sometimes in the Christian life, we are looking for kind of a silver bullet. You know what that means. Kind of the, the answer, the one kind of main answer that will solve all of our problems. If we will just do this, then the whole church will be mobilized. Well, these three broad categories that we're going to talk about, they don't quite work like that. And in fact, nothing in the kingdom of God quite works like that. But instead, as we diligently and over time implement these three categories and are committed to seeing aspects of them taking place within our local ministries, over time, and that's a key word, over time they will produce fruit in the lives of believers that are under your care. Now that, might, that time might be a few months, that time might be a few years, that time might be a few decades where if we consistently keep walking in these three categories in our local ministries, over time, the Lord will transform our local fellowships into what we call in GMMI circles, Great Commission Ministries. That means Great Commission-oriented ministries, ministries emphasizing the Great Commission. But it takes time. Did you know that God is not in a hurry. Now, sometimes we think, oh, there's urgency to reach the unreached. And that is absolutely true. We want to, for the sake of people dying and going to a Christless eternity, there's urgency to go and reach the unreached with the gospel of the kingdom. But when the Lord is developing and processing his people, he is never in a hurry because he's concerned with quality, the depth of quality, not just quantity. So he's not concerned with how fast we move on in discipleship or how fast we are mobilized, what he's concerned about is that the quality of the mobilization is so deep that the church is becoming ablaze for this big picture purpose of Jesus' great commission. Not just a few members with kind of a mission's heart, that's great, we love that, but the whole body of Christ having that emphasis uh, of the great commission. We believe that's where the Holy Spirit is taking the church. We're nowhere near it yet, but that in history, as we move forward here, uh, that is where the Holy Spirit is leading things. So the first broad category, let's talk about this. The first broad category revolves around educating God's people surrounding the Great Commission. Education. Okay. So what we're talking about here is that a primary way that God mobilizes his global church with his own vision of the Great Commission is by local churches, local ministries that are consistently educating their members with many facets of this global cross-cultural mission movement, of the Great Commission vision that Jesus has. So they're educating. We are educating those that are under our spiritual care. So what does this refer to? There's many elements of the education process that this could refer to. This refers first to deliberately providing ongoing, consistent opportunities. That means we're preaching about it on Sunday mornings. We're giving uh, Bible studies on it midweek. We're having in, uh, uh, visiting speakers that come. Speaking about what? Giving them consistent opportunities to see and learn about the Great Commission from the Word of God. Seeing this consistent theme in scripture of God's desire and passion and willingness to even lay down his own son for this, uh, for this commitment of redeeming all humanity. Not just Westerners, not just Africans, not just Asians, 
every unreached people group having that opportunity. Well, that's the central theme, actually, of the Word of God, but most of us have not been shown that because our teaching, our preaching has neglected that. We've kind of had mission over here as a side little peripheral, a committee or a department or something like that, but it's not really the centerpiece. It's not talked about in Sunday morning services very often. It's not talked about in midweek Bible studies. We have neglected to educate our members about what the Word of God actually says related to the Great Commission. Now, what we're not talking about here is kind of a one-off missions message once a year. Sometimes we have that. Uh, a pastor, a leader, a, you know, a campus ministry director, they'll get excited and say, okay, yes, we want to do this. Okay, we're going to schedule a once-a-year miss missions-type message. Now, that's great. We want to continue to do that, but we want to add to that. We want to say, no, there's a lot more opportunities that you can take. What if you even considered a systematic progression through the mission-related passages in the Old Testament and then also in the New Testament where a pastor or a leader or a preacher or a teacher uh, of the Bible is revealing these passages and teaching on them so that the believers under your care from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, are seeing this primary thread throughout the whole of Scripture related to God's heartbeat of redeeming uh, all humanity. Now, education means more than just educating in the Word of God related to the Great Commission. It also refers to providing regular information to our local ministries about the status of the Great Commission, about uh, what the Great Commission really means, what it really is about, what it's not about. So what we're saying is some of the nuances of the information that most believers are unaware of, enabling believers under our care in our local ministries to have information at their fingertips. So they're learning about what the status of the Great Commission is. What does that mean? The status means, well, how many unreached people uh, groups are there left in the world? Where do they live? Where are, what does it even mean to be an unreached people group? What's our definition of that? Where is God moving among the unreached? What are the ways that God is moving? Again, coming back to our question, does, God, does, does the move of God just happen all by itself and we kind of have nothing to do with it? No, God has strategies. He has processes. He has means that he wants us to grasp so that we can rightly partner with him. So we want to teach our people all that. So first, education related to what the Bible says about the Great Commission, giving that foundation in the Word of God. Next, educating related to information about the Great Commission. How is God reaching unreached people groups? What are his strategies? Things like church planting movements, things like people movements to Christ. How these things are happening? Well, we want to teach our people because most believers, again, are completely unaware of this. Not because they don't want to be aware. But in the normal course of most of our church lives, we're not giving them this kind of information. So how does God mobilize believers and local churches? Through education in this information uh, related to what the Great Commission is all about. All right. Now, education might also include 
facilitating a mission education course. So we love the Perspectives course. We love the Kairos course. We encourage local ministries to host these and facilitate them. Maybe you get a, a couple local ministries together to do this. So that is a wonderful way to provide some education. It might also include hosting a mission conference, maybe again once a year in your church or in your denomination, in your uh, church network. You say, we're going to host a mission conference and focus on it. That's great. Now, that's not the only thing you do. you got to have these other education pieces in place as well, but that's wonderful to include this. It might also include having current or previous message bearers, missionary types. They come and they speak. They talk to your fellowship. They talk to your ministry. Education and mission will definitely include helping your members also overcome the negative stereotypes. This is part of educating. Okay? There are many negative stereotypes related to mission. So even when I say that word, cross-cultural ministry or uh, the Great Commission or missionary, thoughts come to your minds, those that are listening. Thoughts come to your church members and campus ministry uh, members' minds. Okay? Many of them negative thoughts. Okay, why? Well, because there's a lot of negative stereotypes and wrong outlooks that are out there related to this thing called missions. Okay, so God wants to overcome believers' wrong outlooks. He wants to overcome local churches' wrong outlooks related to these negative stereotypes and replace the negative stereotypes with truth. Truth related to the missionary movement. Truth related to mission mobilization. So that is part, a key part actually, of educating our churches, educating believers. There is a wide variety of negative concepts about mission that continue to be perpetuated in the global church. Instead of leaders kind of combating those negative outlooks with the truth of the Word of God related to these misunderstood uh, areas. So this is part of education, overcoming the wrong stereotypes. Education might also include providing details about the mission movement. Now, this we talked a little bit about this a moment ago related to information. Okay, It's a little bit connected to that. We want to provide details about the mission movement, not only generalities. Not only there's lost people out there that need to be said. No, we need details. We need to help people understand culture, help people understand uh, the power of prayer, help people understand what, why it's important for long term. We don't just go short term to a village, preach the gospel, and we leave. Okay, No, that's not going to provide the rootedness that people need. So we want to talk to our ministries, giving them information about church planting movements, what these things are, and why it's such a powerful strategy that God is using right now. How whole peoples come to Jesus together in a community, families, people that work together at a job. Most of the world is community-based, not individualistic-based, like my culture where I come from, uh, from North America. So these are all parts of this broad category of education. There's much more to be said about how we can educate our local ministries, but because of time, I'm gonna move on to the second broad category. The second broad category related to how God mobilizes his people for mission is through inspiring us. Okay, so he educates us, okay? So we need to implement it, uh, education processes, and that's what we just talked about, and there's many more creative ideas that we can implement there. But the second category then is about that we need to be inspired. 
So yes, we're educated, but education in mission isn't enough. Then we go to this next category. We want to inspire our church members. So not only does God want his global church armed with clear understanding through the education broad category about global mission, but then he wants that information to actually touch our hearts. He wants it to inspire our minds. He wants our spirits to say, wow, this is awesome. I can do this. I have a part in, the, I don't know what part that is yet, but I know that I need to be doing this. That's the spirit touching us. That is the inspiration that comes. So the education, very first uh, important foundational step, but then the education needs to inspire us and take us a little further. And that education inspires us emotionally, but it also inspires us intellectually to feel what God feels about the nation. So no longer is it just information that we get about the Great Commission being educated. No longer is it just education about the verses related to it. But now I'm actually in my emotions, in my intellect, in my heart, in my spirit, being inspired to now feel what Jesus feels when he looks out on the multitudes in the nations. And it says in Matthew chapter 9, he feels compassion for them. We want to feel that. We want to be inspired by that. So a question we need to ask then is how can a local ministry create an atmosphere where its members are inspired with a vision for the Great Commission? So one place that this starts, and we're going to say it again, we said it about in the first in education, is related to the Word of God. So this starts through true apostolic teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Because God's Word taught correctly releases vision. Okay, True vision of God's heart, true vision of His plans, true vision of His purposes, true vision and understanding of the will of God for all peoples, we can only discern that through the Word of God and through the apostolic, the correct preaching and teaching and deliverance uh, of the Word of God. And so true vision has to be connected with what God says in His Word about these peoples. And then my heart is inspired to connect my heart and my life to this will Himself in the Word of God. So this inspires believers to now align their own hearts and lives with his own purposes taught in and through the word of God. So that's the foundation of inspiring. Okay, We don't just inspire by telling fun stories or uh, heroic adventure missions. So there's a place for that. That is inspiration. But the word of God must be the first place that we're inspired to catch his heart, to feel what he feels, and to be motivated uh, to get involved with what he wants us to related to the Great Commission. Now, additionally, inspiration also often comes through reading books about missions. I know that this is not popular right now. Reading in general is fast, quickly going by the wayside. That's a tragedy in the kingdom of God. Now it's true in the world as a whole, but believers have to be readers because through reading, we learn. We read spiritual books that inspire us. We read the lives of biographies uh, or the, the biographies of the lives of great men and women who have gone before us, great men and women of faith in general, but then also those that have been involved in mission. This is meant to inspire us with our own, with what our own lives could be about. Now, it's not meant to make us feel inadequate. 
Sometimes we read mission biographies or biographies as, oh, well, I can never be like, I'm just a small little, you know, weak person. And you're right. It is true. We are small. We are weak. We are in ourselves. We are nothing. And the Lord loves that we view ourselves like that. That's called humility. Not looking negative upon ourselves, but seeing ourselves in the right measure before Almighty God. We're small. We are inadequate. We need God for everything to accomplish His purposes. So don't come, though, to a mission biography and say, Wow, that person looks so great. I'm so little. I can never be like that. And you actually become more discouraged by reading that biography than inspired. That's not what we want to do. We want to let the lives of these people say, How can we grow? in little bits of faith? How can we grow in little bits of mission understanding and mission vision so that we are inspired by these examples of others? So when we hear the stories of God's power and goodness among unreached peoples through other people's lives, our hearts are actually stirred up by this. We're inspired and we want to participate ourselves in some way. So I want to challenge you. Encourage your church members to be readers. Again, it's not popular. I get that. In our generation, this area of inspiration is kind of falling by the wayside, but we need it. There's no replacement for being inspired through books, spiritual life books, mission books, books on God's heart for the nations, books on uh, biographies, books on God's power being released, books on revival. All of these areas are part of how God will mobilize his people for mission through this inspiration uh, broad category. So another primary means of inspiring vision for the unreached is through mobilizing prayer. Okay, Some of us don't realize that, but prayer is actually one of the most foundational tools that God has given to mobilize his people. Why? Because it's often when we are praying for a, maybe an unreached people group that we can't even pronounce the name of, uh, of their people group, right? But as we pray for them, and I've seen this literally hundreds of times. Uh, I've seen it in my own life, obviously, but hundreds of times in other people's lives through prayer gatherings and, and prayer meetings that are focused on praying for God's heart for the unreached peoples, right? And I've seen God touch and inspire believers who didn't really ever, they never even thought about the unreached before, but when they got in the place of prayer and they're communing with God's heart in prayer, they're feeling what God feels for these unreached. They're crying out for their salvation. They're crying out for church plant, uh, church planting movements happening among their people group. They're crying out for people movements, communal people movements to Christ. Something touches their hearts. They're inspired. What's the something? Well, we know it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who touches, who inspires their hearts. So I've learned over the years, one of the best ways to inspire our people for mission is to get them into a prayer meeting. Uh, but we need to have our prayer meetings maybe a little bit more vibrant, a little bit more exciting uh, than we tend to have them, okay? A little bit more anointed. Now, we can't create that, but we ask the Lord, Lord, give us anointed prayer meetings that release the spirit of inspiration on our church members so that they can be inspired related to the Great Commission. I've learned over the years, this is a very uh, powerful way to go about this. All right. Now, many believers have consistently received solid biblical preaching in God's word, and they've been inspired. Okay, so they've had some of the education, they've had some of the inspiration, 
Now what's the next category, the third category? So we want to educate our people. That's category number one, many different ways that we do this. We want to see them inspired. We want to create atmospheres in our local ministries where church members can be inspired with a heartbeat of God. Not a one-off thing. This needs to be consistent over and over and over. We learn and we're inspired not by a one-off meeting or a one-off conference. I know we like to think, again, that let's just have a meeting and this is the silver bullet to mobilize God's spirit. No, it doesn't work like that. This is month after month, year after year, decade in some situations after decade, where we're creating atmospheres where they can be inspired. Yet, there's another category, a broad category. What's the third category? They need to be activated. So there's education, there's inspiration, and then there's activation related to how they can now be activated in God's global purposes, even if they never leave their hometown. So activation takes place within our local ministries. When believers are shown a variety of ways that they themselves practically can be involved in the Great Commission. Now, this obviously includes the big call that we're all aware of, uh, where calling of a message bearer that relocates to another geographical area. Maybe it's inside their own country. Maybe it's outside to another eth ethnic people group. We're familiar with that one. But there's also many other ways that God wants to activate his people uh, in terms of being involved in the Great Commission. There's many other roles. What are some of these other roles? Well, one role is financing. Uh, financing message bearers that go. Financing church planning movements. Financing a work of God among an unreached people group. Another role, another uh, way that believers can be involved is as a committed intercessor. Now, by this, I'm not saying that just they kind of say, okay, I want to adopt this people group and pray for them uh, once a month or once a year. No, that's good. We want more of that. But it needs to be even more diligent than that. If you're called, if your role is as an intercessor, then God has called you likely to spend hours, maybe even hours every day, relating to God about his heart for all people groups. Um, so that's a key role. Another one is a mission mobilizer. Another is a mission advocate in some specific area. Another one is a welcomer, meaning in our towns, in our cities, unreached people groups are migrating. They're flocking to our towns and cities. Well, we can reach out to them from our home city. We welcome the unreached and we love them in the name of Jesus and we uh, reach out to them with the gospel of the kingdom. Now, part of activation, this broad category, this third category of activation, is providing examples of each one of these roles. Your church members, your ministry members, need to see examples of the different ways that they can be activated. And this shows and describes to our church members what this actually looks like. I can do a teaching on what a mission mobilizer is and the role of a mission mobilizer, but unless they see that teaching in motion in a real person, in an example, in their own community, it's going to be difficult for them to, uh, to kind of get activated in that specific role. So we need to show them examples. Another aspect of activation is consistently challenging believers to identify their roles. Uh, what role is God calling them to? Okay. Again, we might be aware or familiar of the 
one-off, once-a-year mission conference? Well, that's when we challenge them. We call for a response. Is God calling you to be a missionary? Okay. Well, maybe that's true and that's good, but we need it more often. And we need it more than just, is God calling you to be a message bearer? Is God calling you to be an intercessor for unreached people groups? And not just for a day, a week, a month, a year for maybe your whole life. Maybe that is your primary calling, not just for a short, short season, for your whole lifetime to engage with God about that unreached people group your whole life to see the breakthrough of his kingdom taking place. So the point is, part of activation is challenging them. What is your role over and over? Are you a giver for the unreached peoples? Are you an act or an advocate uh, advocate, that's the word. Are you an advocate in some particular area? Are you a, all these different roles that we want to understand a lot more? We need to put these before our church members because every born again believer, we believe this, and we've talked about this in previous episodes of these mission mobilization chats. Every believer is called to at least one of these vital participation roles in the Great Commission. Not all as a message bearer, we get that, but every believer called to participate, to be activated in some way uh, in the Great Commission. Amen. I think because of time, I'm going to go ahead and close with that. So we are very excited about these three categories, and we want to challenge you to implement them. We want to challenge you to talk to your leadership teams. How can we take these three categories and flesh them out. If you want, go on our GMMI website. We have a handbook called the Handbook for Great Commission Ministries that gives you a lot of these same ideas and even more about how to do these within your local church ministry. Amen. The Lord bless you. To listen to more mission mobilization chats, subscribe on YouTube or go to globalmmi.net.